The following program contains the following information. Hot beverages are hot, cold beverages are cold, and beverages heated to 98.4 degrees are just right. When you need a private eye and times are tough, you may not have the resources to afford Sam Scooper, Mike Hamster, or Ellery King. So who can you turn to except... T-Bone Stone, the discount detective. Yes, T-Bone Stone gives you more value for your covert detection dollar. Today's exciting episode is called The Case of the Reluctant Recidivist and stars Jake Vandebrake as T-Bone Stone, the discount detective. We open this episode with a sound effect. It's nice to see you, Billy. How was school today? I got an A on my algebra exam and turned in my history term paper. What subject did you choose for your term paper? I wrote about the Mongol invasion of Europe in the 13th century. That sounds like a real page-turner. I overheard Verna as I walked from my private office into the front office. Page-turner? Who's that? Is she the latest Hollywood starlet? No, T-Bone. We were talking about my history term paper. T-Bone? We're getting off script. We should get on with the exposition before you-know-who interrupts. Okay, Verna. I heard about the old riverboat bank robbery. On my way here, I snooped around a bit, just in case Crenshaw asks you for help. Funny you should mention that, Billy. That was new. As a matter of fact, Crenshaw did call me about that before the episode started. He wanted me to get you out on the street about it. I told him that I'd have to be involved, too. Did he want you to help on the case? Yeah, so tell me what you got. According to the word on the street, Dante Drinkwater and Martin Overfield were questioned by Detective Crenshaw about the robbery of the old riverboat bank a couple of days ago. Yeah, Crenshaw said they got lawyers. Apparently they had alibis that needed looking into, so the DA said to cut them loose. They were told not to leave town, and Detective Crenshaw has them under surveillance. I heard that, too. Anyway, Martin Overfield has a part-time job at a warehouse over in the Garment District. Dante Drinkwater is a small-time hood with no affiliations to anyone. He frequents the Heads or Tails Lounge downtown. Crenshaw didn't tell me that. Yeah, apparently Dante's been throwing cash around like there was no tomorrow. You mean spending money like a drunken Democrat? That's very interesting, Billy. Maybe I'll pop over to the Heads or Tails Lounge and check it out. I won't ask if you want to go. I know what your mother would say. Yeah, she's gotten pretty strict about me not going to establishments that serve alcohol. I heard that what the Heads or Tails Lounge serves is not so much alcohol as alcohol-scented water. At least if they served rock gut. People could use it to strip gunk off of engine parts. I still don't think Billy should go with you, though. We don't want to upset... You know who. See ya, boss. Before I could grab my official private detective trench coat and fedora, the phone rang. T-Bone Stone, the discount detective's office. This is Verna. How can I help you? Hi, Verna. This is Detective Crenshaw. Is T-Bone there? One moment, please. T-Bone, it's Detective Crenshaw on the phone. His ears must have been burning. He wants to talk to you. Hey. Didn't you just talk to me an hour or so ago? Yeah, as soon as I got off the phone, Thatcher reported that Dante Drinkwater was found dead in an alley behind his apartment with his head bashed in. His pockets had been turned out and his wallet was missing. We were just talking about Drinkwater and that Martin Overfield guy. 
Billy said you had drink water in Overfield under surveillance. We did, until the rookie fallen drink water lost him. Overfield was at work at a warehouse in... Over in the garment district, right? You seem to know more than me, Stone. What else do I not know? That's about it, Detective. Bet you didn't know that Dante's apartment had been broken into. Do you have any suspects? A hood named Phil Forrester. He's a small-time hustler working out of the Meridian Bar over by the river. I know the place. What's he got to do with Drinkwater? Phil Forrester and Dante Drinkwater have been rivals for many years. Word has it, Dante's taken away several of Phil's girlfriends in the past. Got anything else, detective? Last night, Phil apparently decided to put his foot down in front of the evening crowd at the Heads or Tails Lounge. He informed Dante that if he messed with Francis, he would be sorry. And who would this Francis fellow be? Francis isn't a man. She's a cocktail waitress at the Heads or Tails Lounge. Phil actually threatened to kill Dante if he messed around with Francis. That sounds like a threat to me. Did your surveillance guy hear that? After Phil threatened Dante, he left the bar. Shortly after that, our surveillance guy lost him. Phil made the threat in a crowded bar. Do you think he knew he was being watched? I guess it's possible. So I suppose you're looking for Phil Forrester? Yeah, I put an all-points bulletin out for him. Then I guess you don't need Billy on the job. Nah, I just wanted to pump you for info. Gotta go by. Well, that was weird. Berna, could you have the sound guy swell the music? No, T-Bone. You have to learn to do these things for yourself. The sound man is your friend. No, Verna. The sound man is your friend. And what is that supposed to mean? Oh, never mind. Sound man, put an end to Act 1. T-Bone Stone, The Discount Detective, is a very amateur broadcast theater production written by Donald Spicer and directed by Doug Schaefer. As we return to the next act of the case of the reluctant recidivist, it is a couple of days later. I had eaten the blue plate special at Java Jake's. The special was first lady in a fog, or as the unenlightened would call it, ribs with mashed potatoes. I was walking down the boulevard heading toward Pete's shoeshine stand, when all of a sudden I was stopped by a man wearing an oversized coat and a wide-brimmed hat, worn low in an attempt to hide his face. He had his hand in his coat pocket. You're T-Bone Stone, right? I am, only if he doesn't owe you money. I need to talk to you in private. Aren't you Phil Forrester? Yeah, but I didn't kill Dante Drinkwater. Can we go talk someplace private? I hope that's not a gun in your pocket. Do anything stupid, and you'll find out. Let's go. My office is right down the street. Okay, you lead the way. And don't try anything. We got back to the office and went in my private side door. While the guy watched me, I opened the door and spoke to Verna. Hey, Verna. Why don't you go on home early? It's been a pretty slow day. You can do some shopping or something. Okay, T-Bone. I've been admiring a cute little outfit over at the fashion circus. I think I might pick it up. Do that, Verna. Sure thing, boss. Bye-bye. She grabbed her purse and coat and was out the door in a flash. Pretty smooth, Seamus. Lock the door and let's talk. If you really didn't kill Dante, let me call Detective Crenshaw and we can figure this out. I don't even have a gun. That finger in the pocket thing was something I saw in a movie. The cops will never listen to me. I've been framed. 
Please hear me out. He had folded up his jacket and set it on a side table in my office. He related the story pretty much as Crenshaw had told it a couple of days ago. Why would I accuse Dante of taking my girlfriends? And say those threats in front of a bar full of people? Sometimes people can be pretty stupid. Francis White and I have been going out for a couple months, and it's getting serious. I tell you, my days of petty crime are over. We plan to get married and move out west. I'll get a real job and a house with a white picket fence and a dog. If you're going straight, you really need to turn yourself in and let the police investigate the case. Haven't you been following the story in the newspapers? The press has already found me guilty, and the cops seem to agree. They're even printing lies about me. They claim that Dante told Francis I was seeing someone else on the side when he hit on her. And I haven't been. If I clear you, I'll expect my usual fee. No problem. I can afford it. You stay here, then, and I'll get on the case. Thanks, T-Bone. I won't forget this. Don't leave this office, and don't let anyone in. It's the only place you'll be safe. Sure thing, T-Bone. I left the office and set up a way to make sure that if Phil left the office, I'd know. As I walked to my car, Billy walked up to me. What's up, T-Bone? Billy, I need you to get me all you can on Phil Forrester. Also, get the bird's eye lowdown on the Martin Overfield. I need to know what's up with that guy. I'm going over to the Heads or Tails Lounge to talk to Phil's girlfriend, Frances White. Okay, T-Bone. You know it's close to a break, so keep your eye on the clock. Right, Billy. I don't want the program manager to sneak up on me. I went to the Steamboat District and stopped at the Heads or Tails Lounge to talk to Frances. Several waitresses were serving cheap hooch to the local miscreant. I noticed the name on the badge of the one who approached my table was Francie. Are you Francis White? I wanted to ask you about your relationship with Phil Forrester. If you're police, I already told your cop buddies that I don't know where Phil is. Are you going to order something? If not, I gotta get back to work. I'm not a cop. Name's T-Bone Stone. You can call me T-Bone. I just have a couple of questions. What is your relationship with Phil? We've been dating for a couple of months. Nothing serious. Talk to him lately? Like I told the cops, I got a call from him the morning after I heard that Dante had been murdered. He said he didn't do it. I ain't heard from him since. I'm trying to straighten this out for Phil. Is there anything else you can tell me? He said he was going to lay low for a while until the situation cooled down. That's it. Next time you see him, tell him to stay away from me. I thought you were his girl. Not hearing wedding bells? Who told you that? Just something I heard. Tell you what. I'll order a drink if you'll do me a favor. Tell the sound guy to throw us to a break. Who, me? I'm nobody. Will the sound guy even listen to me? He better, or I'll have him replaced. Let me choose the drink you order, and we got a deal, T-Bone. I nodded, fully realizing she would probably bring me the most expensive drink on the menu. There was something about this girl. I felt Phil should leave her a big tip. I was on the clock, after all. Hey, Mr. Sound Guy, throw us to a break. How'd I do, T-Bone? T-Bone Stone, The Discount Detective, is a very amateur broadcast theater production starring Jake Vandebrake as T-Bone Stone and Kirk Spicer as Billy Biggs. As we return to the next act of the case of the reluctant recidivist, T-Bone has just given a minor character a chance at the big time. A big time? What part of cheesy podcast do you not understand? Anyway, 
I left the Heads or Tails lounge, and when I got to my car, Billy was waiting. I got the bird's eye lowdown you wanted. Get in the car and tell me what you found out. Martin Overfield is a small-time hood with a record for burglary and blackmail. He's worked with Dante before, and there's always been bad blood between Phil and Dante. What about the newspaper stories about Dante's murder? No one knows much about the murder. Everyone pretty much believes the story in the papers. Where are you headed, Billy? You aren't in the rest of the script, so I'll drop you off wherever you want. Did you start showing up to read-throughs? I'm impressed, T-Bone. You can drop me off at Shirley's. We're going to the Bijou to see a science fiction double feature, The Flying Saucer and Rocket Ship XM. And I can't wait to see another episode of the serial, The Flying Disc from Mars. I'll give you a couple of bucks for popcorn, Billy. Thanks, T-Bone. You're my favorite boss. Oh, there's one more bit of info. I heard Phil Forrester has just been to see Martin Overfield. I dropped Billy off at Shirley's house and drove back to my office. I had left Phil at my office with instructions not to leave. Billy's intel had made me suspicious. When I got back to my office, I checked the doors and the front door had been opened. I went into the inner office and Phil spoke first. I called Martin Overfield while you were gone, and he says that he has some vital information that can prove my innocence. I know it's late, but I think we should go see him right away. I got the distinct feeling I was being played. Okay, let's go. Martin Overfield's place is in a not-so-comfortable part of town in the Milford building. He lived a couple floors up, and the vintage elevator was stuck between the first and second floor, so we trudged up the stairs and knocked on his door. After a moment, I knocked again. I talked to Marty a little before he came back, and he was here. I sure hope he's all right. I picked the lock, and we went into the room. It was dark. Pitch black dark. The lack of light from the hall illuminated nothing. Turn on the light, T-Bone. I'm trying to find the light switch. Okay. I fumbled around a bit before I found the switch and flipped it on. Look, T-Bone. Phil pointed at the sofa. Is that Martin Overfield? Yes. Is he dead? Well, I'm no expert, but that knife in his chest is a possible clue that he exited the land of the living. It looks like his pockets have been gone through. Unless he regularly keeps his wallet next to him on the sofa. Body's still warm. I don't think he's been dead long. We probably just missed the murderer. What should we do, T-Bone? He told me that he had information that would clear me of Dante's murder. I started to look around. I noticed that Phil had walked up to the body. He pulled the knife out and said, Hey, T-Bone. Don't touch the knife. You're tampering with evidence. I didn't think. I'll put it back where it was. Don't do that. Just set it down next to the body. I gotta call Crenshaw and get the police out here to investigate. Don't. Touch. Anything. I need a drink. Oh, there's a bottle on that table. He started for the table and I stepped in his way. I told you not to touch anything. The police frown on disturbed crime scenes. I'm gonna call Crenshaw. And if there is evidence that you're innocent, I'll find it. I'll help you look. I just know they'll think I did this. Don't worry, Phil. I'm your alibi for this murder. He hasn't been dead long. The police will know that. But what about the Dante Drinkwater murder? If I can't find evidence of your innocence here, then I'll get that information some other way. If Overfield found evidence, then I can find it too. 
but I'm gonna be straight with Crenshaw. You can't do that, T-Bone. I didn't kill Dante. I tell you, I'm being framed. Then lay low, Phil. I'll be in touch. I picked up the phone and dialed Crenshaw's office. As Crenshaw picked up, I noticed Phil running out the door holding a satchel. This is Detective Crenshaw, who is... Hold on a minute, Detective. I dropped the phone and rushed out the door. I looked both ways along the hall, but he was gone. I went back to the phone and picked it up. It was important! I didn't think Crenshaw could hear what I yelled, so I called him back. This is Detective Crenshaw, who... It's T-Bone. You're not playing that old hang-up game, are you, gumshoe? I can cite you for wasting police time. I had Phil Forrester, but he ran off right as I was calling you. Phil Forrester? How'd you... I also have to report a dead body. He killed someone else? Who? It's a guy named Martin Overfield. But Forrester didn't kill him. We found the body when we came to see the guy. The body is still warm. And Phil drove over with me. So we couldn't have killed him. Martin Overfield? He's a small-time hood. Lives over at the Milford Flophouse? He won't be doing any more small-time hood stuff. He was stabbed in the chest. You say that Phil Forrester was with you when you found the corpse? Yeah. And one more thing. He removed evidence. You not only let him get away, but he tampered with a crime scene? I'd love to explain, but it's time to throw us to a break. Will you do the honors, detective? I don't have time. I got a murder to investigate. Don't let the corpse get away, Stone. I'm on my way. Don't rub it in, Crenshaw. Okay, sound guy. Swell the music and throw us to a break. We return to the case of the reluctant recidivist and the next act of T-Bone Stone, the discount detective. As we return, T-Bone has just met Detective Crenshaw at Martin Overfield's place. Okay, Stone. This had better be good. Well, Detective, this is what happened. Don't repeat the story that the audience has just heard. The writer went a little long with this one. Just explain that you told him. Are you sure, Mr. Program Manager? Won't the writer be upset if we change the script? What's the big deal? You change the script all the time. This is true. So, moving right along. You got that, Detective? I'll have my crew gather evidence and get it all back to Dr. Taylor for analysis. I'll check back with you as soon as I check out the Heads or Tails lounge in case Phil tries to contact Francis. Wait, Stone. I'll put Thatcher in charge here and go with you. Okay, Detective. Let's go. Hey, Thatcher. Wrap it up here and get the evidence back to the station. I'm going with Stone. I'll call if anything comes up. We didn't wait for Thatcher to respond. No need to bring the talent in for just one line. I parked on the street not far from the Heads or Tails lounge. We walked in the place and found a private booth on the far wall. Which girl is Frances White? She's the waitress over by the bar. A different waitress asked us what we wanted. I ordered a beer and Crenshaw ordered ginger ale. She frowned as she walked away. I'm on duty, Stone, but since you're not a cop, I guess I can't stop you from having a beer. We sat for a while and turned down several requests by our waitress to order more drinks. I don't know, Stone. I don't think he's going to show. Take me back to the station. 
Dr. Taylor should have some preliminary results on the stuff in Overfield's room. Okay, Detective. I guess he's not going to show. By the way, I haven't run into Dr. Cooper in a while. Did he move out of town or something? He'll be on sabbatical until we hire some more male voice actors. What is this hire word you're using? Are they going to start paying us? You know what I mean. We got up and I dropped a couple of bills on the table. Just then I saw Phil Forrester walk through the front entrance. I pointed him out. That's Forrester just walking in. I see him, Stone. Let's head that way. We don't know if he has any buddies in here. As soon as Phil spoke to Francis, they hurried toward the back door. They're heading out the back. Let's go. I'm right behind you, Crenshaw. By the time we made it through the crowd and out the back door, we saw Francis and Phil getting into a car. Phil was carrying the satchel from Overfield's room. I got the license plate. They won't get far. I'll use the phone in the bar to put out an all-points bulletin. Get your car and meet me around front. By the time he got in my car, Crenshaw figured that finding that car would be like finding a needle in a haystack. So he told me to take him back to police headquarters. Do you want to come in and see what Dr. Taylor has found out? As much as I'd like to see the lovely Dr. Taylor... I'll just drop you off and head back to my place for some shut-eye. Okay, Stone. You can call if you want the results. The next morning, I walked into my office. What do you think of my new hat, T-Bone? Doesn't it match this outfit perfectly? Berna stood and modeled her new outfit. A snug-fitting herringbone tweed suit that, in my opinion, was not improved in any way by the oversized Robin Hood hat with the gregarious feather. I knew to keep my opinions to myself. That's very nice, Verna. Billy came by earlier and told me that he's not in the rest of the episode, but that you had a busy day yesterday after I left. Do you have time to tell me about it? Sure, Verna. I'll just say I gave her an account of most of the episode in an attempt to keep the program manager at bay. Sounds to me like it was quite a day, T-Bone. When I came in, I found a coat folded up on the side table in your office. Does it belong to Phil Forrester? Yeah, it looks like the one... Just a minute, T-Bone. I have something for you. I left it in the car out back. I'll just be two ticks. Erna dashed out the side door in my private office. After a few seconds, I heard the main office door. I walked into the front office, and there was Phil Forrester. He was pointing a gun at me. T-Bone Stone. It's nice to see you again. I came back for my coat. You mean the coat that you left in my office? Yeah. Lead the way, Seamus. He followed me into my private office. Pick it up, then lead the way back out front. I did as instructed and turned to face him as I reached Ferna's desk. He was standing in the door between our offices. Do you really think you can get away with it? I already got away with it. The money I got after I killed Dante is in the paper bag inside my coat there. Toss it over. Carefully. He held out the arm that wasn't currently busy pointing a gun at me. I tossed his coat over it. And Overfield's share is in the satchel you were carrying out of his room after you killed him. But you're my alibi for that murder. Yeah, you go with that. Here's what I think. You slipped Marty a tranquilizer when you went to see him while I was at the Heads or Tails lounge talking to Francis. When we got to Marty's place, you stabbed him while I was looking for the light switch. 
You hoped I would think he'd been dead for a while. Go on. While I was looking around, you obviously found the money that had eluded you earlier and decided to make a quick exit. Just then, I saw a gregarious feather sticking up over Phil's head. My sneaky little secretary must have come in the side door and quietly come up behind him. All of a sudden, she smashed him on the head with a baseball bat. He fell with a splat on his face in front of her. I gotta pay her more. Is he dead? No, Verna. He's just out cold. I always wondered why you kept your Stan Musial autograph bat on the table next to the door of your office. Nice swing, Slugger. I think you hit a homer with that one. I went out to my car to get the box with an apple pie that Mama made for you. When I came back, I opened the door very slowly so as not to drop the pie. I heard what he was saying and decided to take action. Can't let the riffraff take advantage of my boss, can I? I'll call Crenshaw and tell him that the murders of Dante Drinkwater and Martin Overfield have been solved. And we recovered the old riverboat bank money. Maybe you'll get a reward from the bank. Detective Crenshaw and half a dozen police came to my office a few minutes later. I knew Dante Drinkwater and Martin Overfield were the ones who robbed the old riverboat bank. After showing photos of Dante at the bank, we were getting ready to move in and arrest Dante for the robbery. No one at the bank could identify Overfield as his partner, though. But I was sure he was involved. I figured they split the take and Phil Forrester found out. So Phil really did kill Dante? And he was using me to deflect attention away from him. Who killed Overfield, then? When I returned to my office after seeing Francis at the Heads or Tails lounge, I noticed Phil had left the office and returned. He probably went to Martin Overfield's place and they had a drink. I think Phil slipped Marty a sedative and left him on the sofa. Obviously, he ran out of time before he could find Marty's share of the money. Dr. Taylor found Phil Forrester and Martin Overfield's prints on the glasses we found. There were traces of a sedative found in one of the glasses. I think Phil's hurry to see Marty was more about the sedative wearing off than a desire to keep searching for the loot. So he found Marty's share of the loot and took off to pick up Francis. Then, all he needed was his coat. Yep, Phil had to get the money he took from Dante that was in his coat so he came back to my office. Unfortunately, he came up to pitch against Verna. Pinch hitting for Stan Musial. And a beautiful swing it was. You've been listening to T-Bone Stone, The Discount Detective, a very amateur broadcast theater production starring Jake Vandebrake as T-Bone Stone and Kirk Spicer as Billy Biggs. Also starring Gloriana Spicer as Verna Gibson and Rick Ice as Detective Crenshaw. Additional cast members are Ernie Wilson as Phil Forrester, Robert Comfort as the program manager, and Gracie D. as Francis White. The Case of the Reluctant Recidivist was written by Donald Spicer and directed by Doug Schaefer. Be sure to catch our next episode when T-Bone Stone says... A cracked porcelain pitcher, blueprints for an experimental flying machine, and a big band crooner spell serial burglary. In the case of the unusual side effect. The art director is George Venegas, and music is by Fezlian Studios. This is the announcer speaking. For some reason, Polly Posey wants peanuts and cracker jacks. Quack. Quack.